This is the Emergency Medical Minute, sponsored by Mile High Ambulance. The Emergency Medical Minute is excited to announce that we are now offering AMA, PRA, Category 1 credits. This is accessible through our online course modules that can be accessed at www.emergencymedicalminute.org backslash CME-courses, or simply by clicking on the link in our show notes and creating an account. All right, um, so just a brief medical minute for a patient that we had. It was about a week and a half ago, but um, ended up checking in. It was a busy day where we were on divert. We've never heard of this, but uh, it did happen once. So, uh, but it was a busy day and just kind of the triage. She checked in. It was nausea and vomiting were only complaints. Didn't deny or didn't have any associated abdominal pain, headache, chest pain, anything else to kind of go with it. It was just really this isolated nausea and vomiting. The history was that um, about a week before she'd had a TAVR done. So if anyone who's not familiar with that, it's a transcatheter aortic valve replacement. Um, But what happens with that is instead of doing an open surgery, it's all done endovascularly. And so they're replacing that aortic valve. And, uh, you know, most patients do well. It's actually become more cases done this way than the traditional open method um, that had been done years in the past. We've seen a shift in the last few years where there's more cases done this way than the previous. The thing to be aware of with these patients is they are a higher risk of stroke than the average patient. So one is they're already kind of sick already. They have bad aortic stenosis or insufficiency, but probably stenosis that led them to getting this procedure done in the first place. And then the other kind of factor is there's probably some age involved, atherosclerosis or other kind of things. When they do the procedure openly, they'll actually cross clamp the aorta, pull out plaques and kind of clean out the root of the aorta. Um, but when it's done endovascularly, that's not done. And so there's kind of all this other stuff. And you imagine you disrupt that root to get this new valve in there. So then you potentially have these plaques that are just kind of at that root where the new valve is that are just kind of sitting loose and ready to embolize and break off and cause strokes and other kind of things. And then the other complicating factor is often these patients appropriately need to be on a blood thinner very soon after the procedure as well. So, you know, she checked in, it was a busy day. Our um, PA, I was working with, had already seen the patient. We kind of talked about it and said, well, you know, no focal deficits, nothing else, but really it's just this history of a very recent TAVR and unexplained nausea and vomiting for like two days. We need to get some imaging. And so we went with an MRI thinking that, you know, there's maybe a subtle posterior stroke is actually more what I was worried about just because she looked very, very well. And so I was trying to get this pulled up, but having some technical issues, but basically had this very, very large, like you pull up the CAT scan, and it's like a bleed that big. So probably like eight centimeter frontal bleed that she had. As you would expect, you know, went through the reversal as far as that. But what probably happened, she had multiple acute infarcts on her MRI, but then this one area that had blossomed into a big bleed. So she had a stroke, or actually multiple strokes that showered off. And then with a blood thinner, had hemorrhagic conversion of one of them that just kept going and going. And then again, just nausea and vomiting. So the take home message that we have is nausea and vomiting unexplained, like especially in an older person should raise our suspicion. I think we all know that most like 80 year old ish people don't come in just, oh, I'm fine. I just you know, had too much to drink last night and just a normal Friday night. There's usually something else that we need to be digging for, looking for that. And uh, you know, unexplained nausea and vomiting often leads to neuroimaging just because sometimes they start off subtle. Uh, she went to the ICU, got reversed, initially planned for non-operative, but unfortunately kept deteriorating and kind of overnight went GCS like 13 and then looks like maybe 11 and then went to the OR for a craniotomy and kind of still in the hospital with a expected course after such an event. So again, it's just remarkable as far as they can look so well, but if that bleed's still kind of developing, especially in the frontal lobe, you know, we may not see much for a little while, but just take home is if we have an older person, nausea, vomiting, that just something doesn't seem right, probably is going to lead to a bigger workup and more digging with that. So. 
No, she said, or she said maybe like in retrospect, a headache that she took Tylenol for the day before and felt fine. So yeah, the question was, was did she have any headaches? So very minimal. Um, and then Tever patients, you know, it's numbers are even as high as like 10% in some studies will have a stroke within 30 days. Now it's, you know, meaningful or clinically significant or not, but, uh, you know, just high suspicion of stroke in these Tever patients. So thanks guys. We'd like to thank our sponsor, Health One Continental Division and Swedish Medical Center for their financial contributions to the EMM. Donations from them and listeners like you make it possible for us to fulfill our mission of producing and spreading free medical education to the masses. If you enjoy our show, please consider making a one-time or reoccurring donation to help cover our operational costs and keep the EMM awesome. Click on the link in our show notes to make a donation. Thank you for listening.